So today we will be looking at Joshua chapter 6 and um, I think I went over through all the chapters of Joshua for once. And especially when we are, uh, as, as we are entering into the new season, we are entering into the Sabbath, right? So, so in order to uh, preach a, a message about the new season, I chose this main text. Next week, next week will be the Thanksgiving worship for the youth camp. Until next week, uh, our Chinese brothers and sisters will be with us. So, uh, beginning from the Monday after tomorrow, the Monday after tomorrow, uh, will uh, our brothers from China will go back to their country and maybe they will probably come out in September and we are planning to go go to the place in November and between that we have many different conferences right we have Africa conference we have also Panama conference and also we have Costa Rica NB So we all need to be alert, right? We need to be awake because we have many conferences. And we have to go to Israel. And in, in Israel, over 400 people all around the world, all around the Zoom ministry are coming. Even when I'm sleeping, if I think about it, my heart beats. <laughs> it will be a tremendous conference, right? Aren't you guys expecting that? And as you guys know, you guys know how the Central American people they are, how they are. And <coughs> over 200 people will come, so the worship will be crazy. I mean, they will stand up and say, Amen, Amen. And over 300 people will go to the Garden Tomb and have a worship there too. In the place where Jesus, were where Jesus was resurrected, we will have a Holy Communion. And you guys remember the last time we had a worship in Garden Tomb, right? The tourists who went, uh, went, went by, they were even crying because the presence was so powerful. And I'm expecting more of that. God will give us such a tremendous amount of grace because it's a conference that opens a new season. Amen? So expect. The team who is staying here and interceding, uh, pray powerfully. So even though the time is urgent and season is passing by so quickly, God will give us a great amount of grace. Hallelujah. And in this new season, we need to be revolutionized. All right, we need to be uh, able to open our spirit. So today's title is Jericho is Falling. And what does it mean that Jericho is falling? It means that my selfishness is falling completely. In this new season, it's fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 5. The vision in Zechariah chapter 5 is a vision of uh, Babylon being separated from the church.
And we can say, we can describe it in many aspects. But first, it means that the church will not be affected by the Antichrist anymore. And also, church will not be mixed, church will not be mixed by this um, great prostitute, which is the religious Babylon. This is same uh, prophecy from Revelation 17 and 18. So in this perspective, in this perspective, being separated from Babylon, it means that each member of the church will be separated from the desires of Babylon within themselves. Just like Habakkuk's um, prophecy, there will be people who will be raised who are being separated from the desires of Babylon. So when you are being separated from the desires of Babylon, what does that mean? It means that people will appear who are not living out of their own selfishness, out of their own desire. People who are God-centered. In aspect of old self and new self, selfishness, it means that your old self's power is much powerful than your new self. That's why you are being selfish. But, but now... But now, it is talking about the people whose new self's amount is much greater than the old self, so they will never be ruled by the old self. Those kind of people will be raised within the church. That's how church will turn into. So many of you still, you guys are so struggling because your old self's amount is great, but now... But now, because your new self will be much stronger than your, new, or your, your old self, so you won't be selfish anymore. You will be God-centered. There will be people who will become God-centered. So this is the picture of a church who will be, who will be risen in this new season. And, and because you guys are not doubting of this glorification, because you are seeing these models of glorification, but there are only few. And in this new season, in this new season, you will see most majority of the church members will enter into the glorification. In aspect of love, the church that can love all the church members as their life. In Colossians chapter uh, three, Colossians three fifteen. The relationship that you cannot um, let go of this relationship unless you repent and unless forgive one another. In any reason, it is impossible to hate anyone. It is possible to forgive any sins of the brothers and sisters. Just like James chapter 5, transparently exposing all the sins to one another. In our church, many, many of you cannot, cannot um, expose your weaknesses and your sins, right? You guys are still intransparent, right? Because you are selfish. Now open these up and you need to be able to um, tell one another of your sins being um, getting out of your selfishness. And many years, for many years, I've been talking about this, that, that not being transparent is an evidence of uh, not having the, the churchness in you. So, 
So let's say every church member knows the strength and the weakness of Noah. And in, in perspective of the brothers and sisters, it means that everyone can pray for that, that brother. Oh, uh, Father, please help Noah's weaknesses like this and that. And, and because Noah's weaknesses, we are all aware of. And the reason why Noah became such a having became able to having a great um, spirituality is because all our brothers and sisters pray for him, and he lived a humble one's life. And God's kingdom is humble one's kingdom. It's never a kingdom that can a rich man can go into. And all most of our church members meet that qualification. And when I look at all these people, these are all humble ones. So becoming a humble one is so important. So this is chapter uh, Zechariah chapter five's vision. So so Jericho falling it means that selfishness is falling down. Your kingdom must fall down. There are many people who still do, know, do not know that how dangerous it is to live by the selfishness because they do not understand what God's kingdom is. They do not see the eternity. It means that if you live by your selfishness, it means that no matter what you, um, whatever you have, it will lead to your, your destruction. Even if you have money, even if you have wisdom, even if you don't have wisdom, it will all bring to your destruction. So there's nothing that will become beneficial for you if you live that in your selfishness. Uh, <laughs> if someone can become glorified by living out of selfishness, I will go to hell for that person. What well, my, my, my wife told me not to say these kind of things, but anyways, your life. So if you live out of your selfishness, those kind of people will think, Oh, I don't have money. My life is ruined because I have not learned enough. I don't have a connection. I don't. I didn't meet the right person. I didn't meet my, the right husband. You always blame the situation. You always blame the people because you live out of your selfishness. No, that's a lie. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. How fearful is that? So inevitably... If you want to go to glory of God's kingdom, you need to get out of your selfishness. So even on this earth, you cannot live gloriously by your selfishness. Look at the people who have lots of money. Look at the rich people. I mean, most of them, they do drugs, um, who, uh, the, the CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk. Look at him. He, he established a company. He established a company uh, um, researching and studying about the drugs because he does drugs, but he doesn't want his body to be damaged that much. So... So most rich people, they do drugs. They are soaked in immorality. How pity, how pitiful their life is. 
So there's no one on this earth who is glorified by living out of their selfishness. Look at these rich, rich men that appears in the Bible. Many people will end up like him. So, so as these glorious church arise in the end season, and who are the people that consist the glorious church? The people who got out of the selfishness. So in this season, if you cannot confirm whether you are in your selfishness or not, then it's, it's a very dangerous state. Why? Because if you are in your selfish state, you need to put all your efforts, strive in order to get out of that. And if you are getting out of the selfishness, if you are trying to go into God's kingdom, if you are toward that God's kingdom, it means that you are going into the glorification. And this is not a time that we, we should have enjoyed the, the richness of the world. But if you live 100% upon God, then the rest will be done by God. Your business, your children, in all the aspects of your life. If you live by God, God will lead every, every, um, every situation. And in Korea, there was uh, this one elementary school teacher who committed suicide. It's, this happened because the selfishness is so uh, immersed in Korean society. It's because all the parents are so selfish that they are so self-centered. They only care about their children. So if your parents try to raise you out of their selfishness, that's how painful your life will become. And if you, if you children will become king in your household, you need to um, solve all those hours by praying. Only king must be Jesus Christ. And, and when Jesus Christ, who is the true king, when he acknowledged you as a king, that should be the only relationship between you and Jesus. If someone else acknowledges you as a king, then it will be a trouble. So do not let, do not, uh, don't you parents um, acknowledge your children as kings. <coughs> and when Ansa first began, all our parents... All our parents consider their children as kings. So because their children, whenever their children comes to you and say something, you always came and, and blamed all the teachers and, and pastors. And it's most of you, right? Raise your hands. Oh, and you are lying even. Why? Because your children are your kings. That's why your children's life is ruined and dis dis uh, destroyed. That's why I told the grandmothers not to, not to carry the babies like that. But they do not understand this. This is so important, right? So the core, core of today's text is, is that this is a season that we are getting out of the selfishness. It means that we will um, get the freedom to be, be separated from Babylon's desire. Now you will be able to experience the freedom becoming um, separated from Babylon. And this is, this is different from emptying uh, just like the other religions. Not possessing like in Buddhism. 
I'm not saying being being um not not possessing, but but rather in Philippians four eleven. You can be in poverty. You can be in suffering, tribulation. You can be in lack. You can be in rich. No matter what you have, you will not be bound by that. That kind of status. So this is different from all those uh, ideology of the other religions, like not possessing anything. So whatever you have, you will not be bound by that, and you will be able to live your life upon God. So just as I said, you will be free even though if you have money and you will be free even if you don't have money. But if you do not live by God's kingdom, you will never understand what this means. And what is religion? Religion is that you are living on this earth and you still want to use God for your benefit. That's the religion. And that kind of person will never experience the freedom out of their religion. There will be some sort of things that will always bind their life. If you have lots of money, it feels like the money is free, but but because of the uh, even if if the money's aspect, money's area, you feel free, but your husband will bind you, your children will bind you. So if you live by religion, there will be bindings. But if you live by kingdom of God, nothing in your life cannot bind you. Nothing, nothing can bind you. Why? Because everything in your life will be ruled by God. And this season is coming. This is freedom that we are entering into. Amen? So the amazing season is coming. And accurately speaking, we cannot speak, uh, use the term season because this is a glorification. And I'm saying that the church, that the most majority of the church members are being glorified, will rise up. Imagine all the Obang church members will have the same spirituality as, as me. What kind of church would that be? Just to uh, give you an easy um, understanding. Imagine all our Obang church members would have the same spirituality as I, I do, I have. Then, then these enemies cannot, um, cannot, cannot handle us, right? Babylon cannot handle us. Can you imagine that? <laughs> is the Antichrist still strong? The attack is strong? Um, how amazing is that? So first goal should be me, right? Imagine all those church members would be like me. It's like having 500, um, 500 conferences all around the world because everyone can go and do, do conferences. How, how joyful is that just imagining it? Right now, it's just me who is doing the conferences. All the enemies are, are attacking, uh, concentrating their attacks in that one place. But imagining, imagine 500 people going to 500 different places to the conference. The enemies would not know where to attack, right? How good is that? How great is that? So first, you should reach to me. And when you reach to me, I mean, I will not stay there. I will go to different level. But, but our church members, we will, our community must fight together to go there. So your spirit must be awake, must be alerted. So your life 
I mean, your spirit must be alive. And when your spirit is alive, you will be able to see the fire burning around his spirit. So you, you will be able to see the spark. Hey, Noah, right? I mean, if you, if you look at those people who do not live by faith, you feel unfair, you feel mad, right? Don't you? I mean, honestly. Like, your, your sister three weeks ago. As you see your sister, you felt, you felt sad, you felt unfair. Imagine your sister, right? Three weeks ago, <laughs> watching her, you felt sad, you felt mad, and you understand how Pastor Kim would feel, right? So when you see people who do not live by faith, you feel mad, you feel sad. <laughs> because Noah is, is um, his spirituality is growing, growing and growing. So whenever these um, spiritual people see each other, they will be able to see the Holy Spirit's moving and the spark. Um, there is a Chinese um, word that says the, the son is better than the father or actually the, the student is better than the teacher he's making fun of brother Taeung for becoming a teacher and he, he, he told Sogor to boast about him because Pastor Kim is smart <laughs> okay let's move on Jericho is all about selfishness if you live by selfishness, everything will be bound. Your unbelief, religion. So at least, as you listen to today's sermon, you need to be able to see how big my old self is. So, so you need to be able to begin unbinding your, your um, old self in you and your selfishness. So all your spiritual status is connected to your selfishness. So if you are not selfish, you will never be struggled by, by the unbelief, by the deception, by the world. But because you're selfish, you draw all those spirits. <coughs> and if you get out of your selfishness and if you live by the kingdom of God, you will be freed from all those other spirits. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is the only spirit that we should serve and we should have, right? And when you live by this only spirit, then your life will never be complicated. So, so if you do not live with the Holy Spirit, your life must be complicated. If you want to earn money, you need to accept the greed. If you want to live by the world, you need to receive the unbelief of the world. If you want to have a relationship with the people, you need, to have, uh, you need to accept the immorality. So at least in a day, you will have to have a relationship with 200 spirits. Imagining you having a relationship with 200 spirits in a day. How complicated will your life be? So it is a miracle for you to live by your selfishness and still live a, a rich life. 
maybe by the strategy of the enemies you will you can be rich for a moment but but your life never will be comfortable living out of your selfishness So whether you rely on it or not, uh, if you do not live by the Holy Spirit, then you will have relationship with all the other other spirits. So you should not misunderstand and think, oh, even though I'm not filled with the spirits, I have no relationship with other spirits. No, that's a big misunderstanding. If you do not live by the Holy Spirit, it naturally means that you are living with other spirits. If you do not live by the faith, it means that you are living by unbelief. If you do not live by love, it means that you are living by immorality. If you do not live by the joy, it means that you are living by the sadness. So spiritual world is clear. It does not have these, this gray, gray area. So do not try to comfort yourself with these aspects of Babylon and think, um, I'm not living with the Holy Spirit, but it does not mean that I'm living with the devils. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but you're living with such a tremendous amount of devils, right? How tremendous. So the only spirit that we should live with is the Holy Spirit. If, if not, it means that we are living with all the other spirits. So if you live by the selfishness, your life will be destroyed and will be difficult. So the reason why your life will be difficult should not be any other things. Because of that person, because of money. No, it's because of your selfishness. If you do not live by the selfishness, your life never will be difficult. Because you don't live by God, that's why your life is difficult. So now you need to confirm this before we enter into the sermon today. So how big, how great the amount of my old self is. And you need to have the key to get out of your selfishness. You need to have the confirmation of victory in order to get out of the selfishness today. Amen? So at, at, at least you should be able to discern this. And here among you guys, there are some of you who do not even know whether you're living out of your old self or new self. If I look at your spirit, I mean, it's clear not being able to pray for a word. It's a clear evidence that you're not living by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it's because you don't see this eternal kingdom. That's why you're living like that. But if you know what the eternal kingdom is about, then you won't be able to live by that. That person's excuse is that, oh, I'm, I'm living out of my ethics. I never have done anything bad. I'm a good man. But that itself is a, is a wickedness. <coughs> because that kind of people exist. All the other spiritual people cannot live because of that people. So it's a mis big misunderstanding if you say that, oh, I have never committed any big sin and I am, I'm very ethical or oh, big mistake. That's not the standard of God's kingdom. God's church is all about fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
whether you are holy or not. That's the only standard. So, so Jericho is about escaping from selfishness to go into the Sabbath. So Jericho is the first gate to go into the Sabbath. <laughs> and after then, the Joshua and Israelites becoming an undefeatable uh, tribe. But of course, uh, they met a failure in Castle Eye. But that's the event of God uh, trying to show them the wickedness within the Israel's tribe. But anyways, Joshua and the Israelites became undefeatable. And in other perspective, Jericho is the last gate, last gate to pass in the wilderness. So if you look at the geography, it's like that. And if you see all the different stories of Joshua, um, Castle Jericho was the last city, uh, last city of the wilderness. To pass. So if you fail to conquer the Jericho, city of Jericho, you need to go back to the wilderness. So if you do not solve the selfishness, your life will end up in wilderness. And you will struggle even more. So tonight, today, today, decide whether you will be able to conquer Jericho or not. If you do not pass the Jericho, you need to return to wilderness then you will have to deal with the snakes and snakes and the scorpions. You will have to fight against the, the cold temperature and these hot temperature. Maybe one or two hours in the desert will be fun, but living in there, ah, difficult. So we must pass the desert. We must pass the Jericho, right? Let's move on. So, so just as I said, Jericho is a place where you need to destroy your selfishness. And this is something that I said. If you live by Babylon, if you live by Babylon, it means that you are becoming a slave of Babylon. You are begging for Babylon to give you something. So I say this always. We must have the initiative. We are the ones to rule and conquer Babylon. We are not the ones to go before Babylon and beg and kneel down before that. So I always tell those, those businessmen, hey, do not let uh, give, give away the key of the business to others. Even if you are uh, doing a business with Samsung, you should be the one who, who would have this key. Because whenever God tells you to stop, then you should be able to stop. And when God tells you to change the direction, you need to be able to change the direction right away. So. So people of God will never search for methods, um, way of way of way of acting be between people. So we we don't study that. We don't study how to talk with others, how to react with others. We don't need methodology. We do anything out of we do everything out of God's rule. That that's a characteristic of God's company. So, so if you cannot do this, do, don't do business. You will be soaked in Babylon. You will be slaves of Babylon. So at this end time, whatever you do, whether, whether it's business, whatever you do, 
You need to get out of this slavery of Babylon. So Jericho, Jericho is also the time that you are getting out of your slavery. And after you get out of your selfishness, you will be able to see, oh, this is not the world that feeds me. It is God that, who gives me to survive. It is God who gives me to live. So when you conquer Jericho, you will be able to see this. But people who are living out of the selfishness cannot see this, cannot see their own wickedness, cannot see how wicked he is, how selfish he is. And I can see, see you like that. Oh, how, that, how can that person live with that kind of unbelief? He must struggle. He must struggle. But because he cannot see that, he just lives with that. Oh, how dangerous living with that greed in his life. But he still lives. Why? Because he cannot see that. So selfish people cannot see that. And many of you are like that. You cannot see yourself. And before many years, even before many years, I said this, even if you get attacked, you, you should be able to know why you are being attacked. And that's only possible when you are not selfish. But if you cannot see yourself, you cannot repent. And you will not know why you are being attacked. And you always blame the situation and the people because you do not see yourself. And my son Yongguang, my son Yongguang says that now I'm realizing how selfish I am. Oh, what a revival. <laughs> right? And what did he say? Yeah, even Yongguang, even Yongguang is saying that it's a great level being able to look at himself. So not just Yongguang himself, I saw all the level of Ensip through him. And you, Onyu, you see that, right? And these kids, they know how selfish they are. So that's why they are prophets. And now they became a great, great level that these adults cannot even look at. <laughs> the son is better than the father. <laughs> oh, wow. Now we need to change all these teachers because these children are so in high level. <laughs> and it must be taught by the senior pastor himself. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have enough time. <laughs> so just live with your teachers. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue. So I'm showing you the evidences of people who get out of the selfishness. So you will be able to see that you lived out of the slavery of Babylon. And you will know how. Um, infamous thing that is to live by Babylon. Oh, I lived by unbelief. I lived in the world. I lived out of my greed. You will be able to see these. So if you cannot see those, you need to be able to repent. And when you begin to see this, you will be able to uh, be contrite. You will have the will to fight against the enemies. You will be able to avenge the enemies. 
And if you begin to become unable to see those, I mean, oh, it's so dangerous. <clears throat> so entering into the Sabbath, you need to first, um, you need to get rid of your selfishness. So let's begin looking from verse 1. So in order for Jericho to fall down, we need to see uh, what kind of uh, process of obedience did the Israelites go through. So not the event of Jericho falling down itself, but through all the process uh, from chapter 1 that continued, Jericho fall down. And look at yourself. If you did not pass these process, you need to also go into this process in order to meet your Jericho. So from chapter 1 appears those processes. Let's look at verse 1, uh, chapter 1. And accurately speaking, Jericho is the last gate of the wilderness. So in chapter 1, in chapter 1, all the um, generation of disobedience in wilderness, they died. So you need to acknowledge and admit that all your um, fleshly disobedience has died. In uh, Galatians, he says, we are crucified with Jesus. And if you do not receive this by faith, then everything is impossible. Amen? So you need to admit that all the disobedience in me has died, then you will be able to begin your battle there. And too many people, the first reason why they cannot enter into the spiritual warfare is they don't have the confirmation of the righteousness. They cannot accept the fact that they died with Jesus on the cross. In their head, they know, but it's impossible for them to receive that right away by faith. And they cannot proclaim boldly to the enemies that, oh, I died on the cross with Jesus Christ. And because you died, there will be no problem for you. So if you die, because you are dead, no matter whoever touches you, you won't be able to react to that. That's the beginning stage of um, conquering Jericho. So I'll give you five seconds. Ask yourself, are you truly believing that you are died, you are dead on the cross? It means that you are sustaining the righteousness, and that confirmation of righteousness must change you continuously. Jesus' death is my death. Jesus' burial is my burial. So the moment that you believe that my death uh, is with Jesus' death, that evidence will keep appear in your life. So the righteousness, life, uh, faith, and life will be, will be united, and the righteous will receive the righteousness by faith, and it will be revealed in your life. So, so the evidences must be revealed, must be exposed in your life. And because you don't see the evidences in your life, that means that you are not believing that you are dead. So, so if you believe that you died, your life uh, will be, you will be able to live like that. If you have lots of despair, your despair will be dead. If you have lots of sadness, your sadness will be dead. If you are ignorant, you will be wise. If you are powerless, you will be powerful. If you, and because this, this kind of evidence is not showing, you cannot confirm the righteousness. So you should begin from here. 
I'll give you five seconds. Oh, I truly believe that I died. You need to have the right answer. You need to see the fruits in your life. Just like John 13, God is looking for the fruits. The more the fruits are, God will be glorified. And that fruits is my confirmation. If you are not changed, it means that you are not confirming your righteousness. You are not believing that you are dead. It means that your issues of sin is not being solved. So, did you confirm yourself? So these kind of people should not, uh, do not have to go to Jericho. And they need to return to the wilderness. I mean, not being able to believe that you are dead, what can you do? God's kingdom begins here. Only the people who have the righteousness can, can, can have God's kingdom. So we need to have clear uh, fruits. Uh, it can be like you, uh, even though I do not have many fruits, uh, Pastor Kim, I'm changing, I'm changing. Pastor Kim, I used to feel that four hours of worship is so boring and so long, but I can bear it. I have changed. And as I said, uh, four hours of worship, if you doze off for, for a few times, and it's okay, it's bearable. And we don't call that a change. And having these weird thoughts in your uh, doodling and daydreaming, and it, it will pass. And comparably, Pastor Kim makes lots of jokes. I say lots of jokes, so if you, make, uh, if you laugh for a few times, um, the worship will will pass soon, and but that's not evidence. But for uh, conversely, if you say like, "Oh, Pastor Kim, I now begin understanding what the glory of the gospel is," then that's the beginning of the change. Then your life will change too. Back in the days, I was not able to pray for ten minutes, but even if I pray for one hour, now I feel so short. Praying for five hours, it used to be difficult for you guys, but at the end, you know, it was so easy for you, right? But with your own will, you will be you 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 are able to pray for ten hours, right? So, praying for a long time itself is not the evidence of change. But whatever you do in your heart, you should have the joy. So, in your heart, if you think. Oh man, this church is so tough. Everyone else is doing so. I cannot. I cannot escape. This is. This is not a fruit of change. And he, but instead, instead, you children, if you think, oh, God will receive my prayer. I can do five-hour prayer. This is the evidence of of change. So what I'm trying to say is not about the action. Action does not have any relationship with us. So Ensip, did you pray five hours with joy? Why did you, why the girls don't say amen? Did your brothers pray with joy? Okay, good, let's move on. And all these um, generation of disobedience, they died. It from here. It starts from here. This is the most important key. 
because the generation of disobedience died, God will use a new generation to conquer the Jericho. In our church, it's the same. To people who receive um, exactly that you have died, your religious life will have no problem because the most important thing to solve in your life is to solve the issue of sin. In Romans, uh, you are dead to the sin. It's not a simple confession of Paul. But it, it means that your life's, all your life's issue is solved with that sin because all the problems begins with the sin. <clears throat> if you're dead to the sin, being separated from the sin, it means that you are being freed from the conquering of the sin. It's a tremendous confession of Paul. You need to be able to confess that too. This is the clear evidence that you are dead to the sin. The moment that you proclaim that, the, the enemies cannot touch you. Why? Because you become the person who confirms the righteousness. And the righteousness means that the blood is indwelling in you. It means that you have all the authority of royal children. You have dignity of the king. The moment that you proclaim it, the enemy cannot touch you. So that's why 1 John 5.18 says that the enemies cannot touch me. The enemies, the evils cannot touch me. This is how important that is. So if you do not confirm that, how dangerous would your life be? And because you have not confirmed this, that you live a religious life. So we should begin everything here. All the generation of unbelief has died. So in our main text, Moses died too. In verse 2, Moses died. Moses is a model that symbolizes the law. So now Canaan is a symbol of grace. So it is, it is natural for Moses to die. But Moses was a great leader. Leading and guiding two million, over two million people of Israelites uh, through the wilderness. Am I Moses? Then, then I must die and Joshua must be risen. For all these 25 years, I forced the Elvang Church to follow me, right? You know, look at yourself. I forced you guys to follow me, right? If it wasn't me, uh, a fearful person like me, who would force you to come all the way over here? And this morning, even today's morning, I prayed for each member of the church. I thought to myself, oh, every member of my church is not easy to pray for. <laughs> and I prayed to the Lord, Lord, what kind of sin that I committed uh, before I met you that you made me to pray for all these difficult people. <laughs> And there are not, there's not a single person in our church that is easy for me to pray for. But for 25 years, I've led you guys here. And raise your hand if you think that you are an easy person to pray for. Oh, well, Pastor Kim, I think myself is kind of a rather easy person to pray for. How about you, Sister Sokor? It was difficult for me to pray for you all these years. Until today, until today, until today. <laughs> so whenever I receive this attack of unbelief, 
then I, I, I think, oh, did, did God um, intended to gather all these difficult people to me? But I'm not Joshua, right? Then should I die? <laughs> well, anyways, I mean. So what's, what's important here? It means that the importance is on raising the next leader. So conquering, in the process of conquering Jericho, the most important role is upon leader. So the person named Joshua is being called here. In 2,000 years of history of Christianity, whether you know it or not, in churches of God, uh, the center is about the leaders. <coughs> so, so accurately speaking, the corruption of God's church is about corruption of the leaders of the church. Just like prophecy of Joel, And, and God's word will rot because in the church the leaders uh, will be powerless, will be will be fallen into the darkness. But not not just the church, but because this generation does not have a right leaders, this generation is falling into the darkness. And this incident in South Korea of uh, elementary school students committing suicide is the same, because their authority has fallen to the ground. So we don't have to say any other things. It's because of lack of the leadership. Lack of leadership. Why are the churches so powerless? And why are they being corrupted? It's all the pastor's fault. It's all the pastor's fault. You cannot blame any others. Why are all these heretics are becoming viral? Why? It's not because they are strong, but because... But because the powerless pastors cannot proclaim the right word of God. I'm not boasting myself. This is spiritual fact. This is the core why church has fallen to the corruption. The reason why this generation has corrupted is because of the leader. And if you want to uh, focus on one leader in my church, in our church, it's me. But, but... But all of you, you guys are all leaders, and you guys are leaders of this generation. So you are important people to, to conquer Jericho in this next season. So prophetically, at this end time, we call those leaders to lead the generation, the two witnesses. So, so finally... Finally, in, among the Gentiles, these two lamb stems will rise up, and among the Israelites, the two olive trees will rise up. And you have reached this point so well, obeying to me. And because you guys are such nice people, because you have good talents, you obeyed so well until here, right? We can say that, right? We can say that, right? <laughs> But look, but the leadership that God gives through me, authority God gives through me, God's power, God's glory. And because you saw that through me, that's why you followed me, right? But true leaders that will, that will, be, that will be shown from now, um, they will have different level of glory, different level of leadership. If it's me, God will use me like that, but... I don't know who's, who that is. 
But I think uh, God will give me the conclusion before Israel conference. Of course, all the churches in Zoe Ministry consider me like that. But because they have not seen this amazing leadership, they are saying that, but, but, the, but the true witnesses who will be revealed at this end time will not be compared to me. In, in the perspective of authority and power, authority of the word, authority of the ministry and the presence, they cannot even compare, be compared to me. Of course, for these 25 years, God used me tremendously. As you guys know, wherever I go around the world, they are all revolutionized. God used me. But, but not yet. I am not uh, the, the leader of the generation. But when, when God pours His glory to show His leaders, and these leaders, if they are compared to me, uh, they will be able to like split the Jordan River into the two pieces and and they will be able to show all the miracles that transcends all these, um, uh, these scientific laws. And these leaders will be, be raised. I don't know who that person is. It can be me or not. It can be someone from here. Maybe Yongguang. <laughs> then, then your father will bow before you. I don't know who that person will be. But in a very short period of time, God will uh, decide who that leader is. So, so a leader like Joshua, such a tremendous leader, will be shown. So Joshua will say, hey son, stop. So why did son stop when Joshua prayed like that? And why can't I pray like that? And besides Joshua, there were famous leaders too. Why, why, did, why did that not happen when those leaders pray? Why? Because, because God called Joshua. It's all about calling. So at the, in the end time, why is a prayer possible for the leaders to pray like that? It's because God called that person. It's all about the calling. In order for the leader to, to expose, you need to pray for that. And I prayed for a long time. Lord, I don't have to be the leader, but in, in according to the Bible, according to the Bible, Lord, at least let me serve that leader at this end time. Let me at least see that leader being shown. Why? Because that's all my satisfaction to see that kind of leader. So Ansip, you Ansip too, you need to desire that. This is a season that God is raising that tremendous leader. It can be Noah, it can be Yezong. Yes, you need to be revolutionized through this through this uh, conference. So we are living in a season that this amazing leader is being shown. And seeing that kind of leader will be our happiness, right? Amen. So, so Joshua chapter one uh, is saying that Joshua, God raised Joshua as a leader like that. So in verse five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So God is saying that Joshua, no one can, no one can be able to stand against you. And he's saying, be strong and courageous. 
In verse 8, what does he say? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And God does not say, I will give you power. I will give you gift. Instead, he says that do not let this book of law go out of your lips. So this is why memorizing Bible verses in Ansip is so important. So Ansip have uh, the qualification to become a leader like that. Why? Because the book of the law is not going away from their lips. They are meditating. They're keeping, uh, keeping the book of the law in, on their lips. So the amazing power of God is coming out of the meditation of God's word. God's word itself is God's wisdom, God's power, and His authority itself. So when you meditate, when you meditate upon that word, you will understand the principles of God's creation and all the authority to rule over the King of Kings. So exactly speaking, you don't have to uh, study hard about any other things. If you just memorize God's word, all the other studies will be easier for you. Math was so difficult for you, but after when you met, uh, memorized the Bible verses because you became wise, the math will become easier. To me, um, the integration was so difficult for me, but after I realized God's word, I began understanding the, the law of that, that mathematical um, formulas. This is the core of the leadership. Who will rule the world? The one who has the word of God. That's why the Israelites are ruling the world. The tribe and the church who has God's word. The church who has pure word of God. Yerbang Church is the church which has a word of the early churches, right? So wouldn't a leader be, be raised from Ansip? Look at us. Anywhere we go around the world, we can, we can minister them, right? We can speak in many different tongues. In Yelbang Church, the curse of Babel Tower, Tower of Babel has been cut off, right? This is not a simple thing. In a big organization from England, they, they told us, how can a single, single church can minister, minister the uh, local churches? So, so it, it seems that, that's right. It seems impossible for a single church to minister all the local people. Okay, let's continue. So this kind of leader will be shown. Amen. So in order to conquer the Jericho, the leader is important. So I am important. The gospel that I'm telling you, the impartation, so when I get mixed, then you will be dangerous. But you guys are also leaders too. You should be able to lead all the followers that will come next to you. And when you raise your children, as a parent, the first thing that you should feel important is that you need to be able to give love. But secondly, parents are the leaders. This is what parents are forgetting easily. You lose that you are the leader of that, that child. So the, the son will be raised as a leader under the leadership of the father. 
So you are, you are the leader of your family too. So this is the two sides as you should have as parents. Parents must give love and, and, and on the other hand, parents must be leaders. So if, you're, if the father does not have the leadership, then the, then the children will never be raised as leaders. So most of all, our fathers must have the leadership. But the leadership, how important is that? I always say that. This is the core power that moves God's kingdom. Genesis 1.28, this is the first blessing that God gave to the human being after he created the mankind. This is how important the leadership is. Uh, mothers, frankly speaking, uh, do not need to have the leadership that much. But at least the fathers must have the leadership. So in the Bible, giving birth, you need to um, interpret that in many different perspectives. But in the Bible, it says the father is the one who gives life to the, to the next generation. So we all must have the leadership, you brothers. So in order to enter into Jericho, you must have a good leader. So let's move to chapter 2. Chapter 2 speaks about, speaks about, uh, in order to conquer the Jericho, you need to, you need to have the Jericho as God's uh, sacrificial offering. So um, Israelites sent the spies. So in the wilderness, the spies failed, but the spies who are entering into the Sabbath day did not fail. And it means that God prepared a person and he protected that person. Who is that? He is Rahab. How important is that person is? Why? Because she is in the genealogy of Jesus. So how, how exact, how exact is the Bible is in the genealogy of Jesus, um, is the name of a prostitute is written. Imagine, imagine saying that, oh, my grand-grandfather, a grand-grandmother was a prostitute. How shameful is that? So you cannot make any excuse saying like, oh, my, my family is so bad. No. In Jesus' family, there was a prostitute. How bad of a thing that you have in your family? Then why do you blame your family? Hey, raise your hand if your family had a prostitute. I mean, you wouldn't even raise your hand even if you had a prostitute. Is your family better than Jesus' family? And I, I know his family, but his family is better than Jesus' family, at least. Amen? Okay, Deacon is Kim. Do you think your family is better than Jesus' family? Even though your family has lots of diverse spirits, it must be better than Jesus' family. <coughs> Surely, Jesus is the one who came to the place of failure in order to become victorious. That's how important Rahab is. So, so, if the Israelites killed Rahab, Jesus probably would not be born. So that's how important she is. But one more thing that, one more important thing that Rahab did was that in verse 21, 
you, you know, the spies, they met Rahab. And in verse 10 and 12, uh, 10 and 11, um, so, you know, drying the Red Sea and killing the Amorites. And she said, when we, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's curse failed because of you. So all the people in Jericho, they heard this news, but... But only one who reacted like, oh, then I want to live by God, was the Rahab herself. Rahab was the only person who saw this glory. So look. So where was Israelites and Joshua right now? They were in Shittim. Where is Shittim? In Jordan. In Jordan, there's a great mountains. So from that high mountains, they are looking at Israel. And before them, they have Jordan River. And where's Jericho? Jericho is in the northeast from, from Jerusalem, about 18 kilometers far away, or 21 kilometers. And across Jericho, across the Jericho um, uh, locates the Mount Nebo. It's a high mountain. So when you see all fr uh, from the peak of Mount Nebo, you will be able to see all the sites of Israel's. And before you across the Jordan River, there's Shittim. So Shittim is a plain. So these people of Jericho, what do they see right now? They are watching Israelites coming down from Mount Nebo with this pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. These two million people. How amazing picture is that? About 2 million, 3 million people coming down from mountain with this pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. Imagine that picture. How amazing. I mean, if, even if you are a normal person, then wouldn't you, wouldn't you believe in God? But these people in Jericho, even though they were surprised, they didn't bow down before God because of their unbelief. So if you do not have faith, you might be surprised, but you would never have the heart to obey. You would never have heart to believe. That's the fearful characteristic of unbelief. You will never be obedient. You will never bow down to God. No matter what kind of, what kind of miracle happens, even if your kidney is being changed, you might get surprised, but you will never bow down. You will never be able to repent. This is, this is the core of Jericho. Only person Rahab, she was able to acknowledge this glory. So unbelief will never allow you to wail before God. Unbelief will never allow you to bow down before God. It will only make you be surprised. So in the days of Jesus, it was the same. 
people are surprised. What kind of, oh, where did that power and miracle come from? But instead, they all persecuted Jesus instead of bowing down before him. This is unbelief. So anyways, because Rahab had this faith, through Rahab, what did God do? In verse 21, Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So spiritually speaking, uh, tying the scarlet cord, it means that she's covering Jericho with Jesus' blood. That's why... And why, out of all these different colors, why did she choose the scarlet cord? It's the symbol of Jesus' blood. So Jericho must be destroyed. <clears throat> so in the days of wilderness, 40, uh, um, all these generation of this unbelief, they died, right? Because the Israelites have accepted the righteousness, they died. And what's the core of of dying in the wilderness is accepting the blood of Jesus Christ because you died with Jesus Christ and and as an evidence Jesus sprinkled Jesus sprinkled the blood to you Hebrews 10:21 right <laughs> Ansif has not memorized chapter 10 yet, <laughs> so they don't know which verse it is. It's 1022, 1022. See if I'm wrong. 1022. <coughs> Sprinkled in your heart. Sprinkled the blood in your heart. And these days, because these kids are memorizing Book of Hebrews, whenever I'm mentioning Book of Hebrews, their eyes are blinking and shining. So first God prepared his person in order to conquer Jericho. He first prepared a person, and through that person, God prepared, uh, proclaimed the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jericho must be fallen. So look, so first you need to believe that you, you are dead. You are dead. If you believe that in the right way, it means that Jesus' blood is sprinkled in you. And if the power of blood moves in you, the selfish life must be solved. It's not because you don't have the blood that it is not being solved. It is because this blood is not being used by faith. It is not being activated by faith. If you use that blood by faith, it moves and selfishness will be solved. Let's move to chapter 3. So finally, they are crossing the Jordan. They are crossing the Jordan. Um, the Red Sea, if we look at the event of Red Sea, well, crossing the Jordan can be viewed as a fullness of the Holy Spirit. So in terms of relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you get out of the selfishness, it means that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is being characterized in you. From many years ago, I've been saying that oh, from now, fullness of the Holy Spirit will be easy for you. 
Why? Because the only picture that, the only image that appears in the Bible is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Bible never says without saying the fullness of the Holy Spirit and say that rejoice. Bible does not say, um, do not worry while not being filled with the Holy Spirit. No. Bible does not say that. Bible does not say forgive even though you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. So all the words that comes out of the Bible has the connotation of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So having the more amount of the new self, it means that the new self... New self is a self that accepts all the fullness of Jesus Christ in that without doubt. So, so this new person does not have any system to commit any sin. So soon it will appear. It is connected to the purification. So you must be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be purified. We are the people, we are the church who puts our life in this purification. Only thing, only reason why we can understand the purification and the holiness is because we know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 4 describes the Holy Spirit as a spirit of, of holiness. And Jesus came on this earth with the same body. He emptied himself and he lived with the Holy Spirit completely. And upon what did he live up to? He lived by the function of the Holy Spirit that purifies me. So, so that's how he was acknowledged out of all the dead as the Son of God. What does that mean? It means that by the, by the purifying spirit, he did not commit any sin. And because death has no, no hold, death cannot grab him. And then he was being raised. So if you are being with the Holy Spirit, you are living by the new self, you will never commit sin. So the life is not about your effort, that you don't put your effort in order to not commit sin. It's whether you will choose the old self or the new self. So if your if your religious life is all if your faith life is all about whether you do it or not, then you have a long way to go. We all we always everything. It's about gift. It's about grace. What will you choose? If you choose yourself, you are living by your old self. If you let go of yourself, that means you are living by God. Then you are filled with your new self. So Jordan River is about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> okay, let's continue. Verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. Giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenants of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out of your positions and follow it. So, so the Leviticus uh, Levites, they must um, go before. It means that God's word is leading the Israelites. It means that God himself is leading the Israelites. So Israelites are not going in the way which they want, but they must be led by God. So men of God must live a life that is being led by the Holy Spirit. And we also say that in Galatians chapter 3, walking by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, 
being led by the Spirit. Amen. And step by step, keep in step with the Spirit. <laughs> Our translator understands English so well. <laughs> when she first came, she didn't know what I said, and she, she was like, Oh, what's that? What's that? Pastor Kim, what's that? <laughs> what does that mean? But now she's so good at English right now. <laughs> okay, in verse 4 Then you will know which way to go Since you have never been this way before But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits Between you and the ark So 2,000 cubits is 912 meters in Israel, it's called this distance of Sabbath. So, um, during the Sabbath, uh, the Israelites cannot walk more than 912 meters. So, so, on the day of Sabbath, probably Jesus will come. And from the Golden Gate, He will... He will, he will be ascended. He will be descended from heaven, from 912 meter from the Golden Gate, and then he will come into this Golden Gate. With whom? With this royal priest. And what happens? And there will be a great earthquake in Gideon Valley, and the water will flow to all these different deserts. And and Bible is describing so accurately about Jesus' descending. Why? Because he wants to tell us that I will surely come. I will surely come. <laughs> so um, Joshua told the Israelites to keep in distance. And in order for 2 million, 3 million Israelites to see the ark, you need to have at least 900 meter distance. And spiritually speaking, why do you need to have the distance? It's because in this season, they cannot grab the holiness yet. They cannot have the relationship with the holiness yet. They are not in the season that the holiness is not indwelling in them. But, but to us, do we have to keep in distance with Jesus Christ? No, we, because we are the ones who have accepted the holy, holiness. Why? Because we are the new creation. We are the creation that touched the holiness. But if we do not have faith, we cannot touch the holiness yet. That's how ugly, ugly the unbelief is. Because the unbelief will never allow us to touch the holiness. But because we believe in Jesus' holiness, that's why we can touch that holiness. Not just we touched it. The holiness is indwelling in me. Holy Spirit, His word is indwelling in me. And Holy Spirit itself is, is indwelling in me too. That's why we are not keeping in distance with Jesus Christ like this. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. So this is same as the um, fullness of the Holy Spirit. Live by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In reality, they need to they need to conquer Jericho. They should have. Um, 
Joshua should have given order like, hey, prepare your weapon, prepare your, your strength. Wouldn't this be more suitable for the reality? But instead, he said, consecrate yourself. So preparation for the conquering of Jericho is about the consecration of the holiness. Our battle is all about our holiness, all about fullness of the Holy Spirit. If we live by faith, then it's over, it's done. Remember this. So no matter what kind of things you prepare, if you do not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you fail to prepare the holiness, if you fail to have faith, then it's nothing. The only fundamental basic thing in order to be victorious for people of God is the consecration, the holiness, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So do not uh, try to do anything without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not do anything without confirming your holiness. So that's why, that's why you are being filled with the world. You need to rather have the amount of the holiness, holiness to, to overthrow and, and embrace all the dirty things. Holy Spirit is saying, hey, trample is all yours. This is the boldness that he gives to us when we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. So finally, they are crossing the Jordan. Amen. <coughs> so spiritually and really. In, in my ministry, I saw, I, I have done the ministry uh, completely spring, splitting the water into two. There, the water uh, flooded the, the basement and I laid my hands in the name of Jesus uh, dry. And, and from the end, the water dried. I was surprised. My Samonim was surprised. Even though I proclaimed, it's not me who did that, so I surprised. From the end, the water is dried. And how amazing God's power is. So in these days, the Jordan River will be split into two. What's the difference between Jordan River and Red Sea? And in the Red Sea, there was a road um, that was made between these two splitted um, water. But uh, Jordan River is different. Uh, Jordan River's water moved to the hill next to that. And, and under Sukkot, there, there was a valley that was made because water was not flowing there. So water was stored in that, that side. So both of them are very surprising. Uh, Red Sea is surprising and Jordan River is also surprising. But this is a very easy thing. Why? The Red Sea, <laughs> Red Sea, uh, Jesus used his both hands to, to block the water, but to Jordan River, Jesus used one hand to block the Jordan River. That's the difference. You know, do not try to like find a reason why. It's either Jesus used one hand and two hands. <laughs> so what is this? 
And I said, Red Sea is the event of salvation. Event of salvation is about baptism. You need to pass the water. So you need to pass the water. Jordan River is being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's why it is being stored. It is being filled. This is a spiritual meaning. In reality, what happened? Jesus used one hand in the Jordan River and Jesus used two hands in Red Sea. Forget about it. It's a joke. (laughs) It's a joke. Forget about it. Let's move to verse 4. I mean, uh, chapter 4. So now Israelites finally crossed the Jordan River. From verse 1. Lord told Joshua, choose 12 men from, from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take off 12 stones. In Kings, in 1 Kings 18, uh, appears the story of Elijah fighting against these um, uh, shamans of Asherah. And when he made a stone altar, what did he command the Israelites? He made the people to choose 12 stones. First Kings, First Kings 18. Uh, it's about 1831, 32, actually. 31. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord has come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. So these 12 stones, they symbolize tribes of Israel. It means that Israel is a tribe that God only rules, that is ruled only by God. So 12 stone, it means that the 12 tribes of Israel, which is ruled only by God, wilderness is, of course, is rule of God, but But wilderness, in the wilderness, Israelites felt uh, felt the rule of God through through occasional miracles and signs. So that's why they they blamed God, they complained, and they were destroyed. And God showed the miracle again. So this kind of things happened from time to time. It did not mean. It does not mean that God ruled them from time to time, but it means that Israelites did did not receive the rule of God completely. Why? Because they were corrupted. But when you are entering to the Sabbath, it means that these people are the people who have God's rule always. That's why they are victorious always. These are people who know and understand that God is with them always. So having your selfishness being destroyed, it means that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit means that God is always with me. Now you will know this and and you will know God is ruling me. So in Honduras conference last time, I was so tired. Why? Because two two consecutive um, conferences were stuck together. Uh, During during the praise time, I was sleeping in the in in the chair because I was so tired. I was sleeping with my my mouth opened. Is it not funny? (laughs) 
You know, I had my mouth open when I was sleeping. You saw that, right? Because I was so tired. Because, because the afternoon service and the evening service were, were, were so tightly closed. So, so I was sleeping behind. And my, my, daughter, my daughter came to me and, hey, dad, dad, the, the, the praise time is over. And I, I woke up right away. And I came up to the podium. And I said, like, hey, this, this and these people come. Let me heal them. And I delivered them out. You guys remember, right? How is it possible after sleeping? Many reasons. In, one of them is that in, in any moment, I do not lose the rule of God. And I even was sleeping. It was not dozing off. I, I even slept. So I had, to, I had to go up not being fully awake. So I call, but I, I was able to call out those people. <laughs> and God's work uh, happens easily when, when you are not being fully awake. But anyways, this is the evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God's rule always being with you. God's presence always being with you. And among you guys, there are lots of people who call me 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Pastor Kim, I'm sick here. I'm sick there. I mean, 2 or 3, 3 o'clock in the morning, it's okay. But there are people who, who like... <laughs> who calls me like 8 o'clock at night. And even after I wake up right away, I, I minister. Where's Yeonju? Are you fully healed? She's fully healed. She has these uh, stones in her ear and she got very dizzy. And, and, and I minister her and she got healed. So any time, in, in any circumstances, it does not matter. The power will flow through me whether you're asleep, whatever you do. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this must happen to you too. The rule of God must be ready at all time. Your sermon must be the same. Whenever you stand, you should be able to proclaim... Oh, I have to prepare for the sermon. <laughs> and the, the, the speaker, the main speaker for the youth camp, she, she, always, she always complains, Oh, I have to prepare for the sermon. I mean, are you the one who is speaking? It should be the Holy Spirit who should speak in you. So whatever you do, you need to maintain the relationship within His presence. This is the stage of Sabbath. I'm not, ta I'm not talking about anyone else. It's about you. This is a season that you will enter. Those of you who, who are being filled with the Holy Spirit only once a year, repent. Amen? Okay? Chapter 5. Chapter 5. We are almost there. Is it gracious? Is it blessful? 
Are you getting ready to destroy all the selfishness in you? This is the last stage that you should pass. I said this in Habakkuk. I said it through many times. If you begin to see the desires of Babylon as wickedness, then you will have hope. So normal people, they would not consider the desire of possession, desire security as, as wickedness. They will never know. They will never know the desire of fame and achievement is a sin. They will never know. They, they do not know the identity of desire of idol. But when you have this wickedness, even if you attend the church, you will, be, you, will made God, you will make God as an idol at a point. You will make God as a bell who will, who will solve your, your problem. You will make God as a dravim that, who will solve your household um, issues. This is the core of all the corruption of the religion these days. Because you did not solve these desires. Because these five desires are not being considered as wickedness, you make your children as kings. So to those people, not making their children as king is a problem itself, but, but making God as Baal, that's the biggest problem for them. You make God as a household God. Oh, it's okay if my household is blessed. It's okay if my children are blessed. That's how dangerous that desires are. So in your religious life, in your faith life, you, o- you only do things because it is connected to your benefit. Whether you say it or not, whether you know it or not, this is the order. Because it is beneficial for you, you come to worship. Because it seems like it is beneficial for you, you go to prayer. It's, it's good for you that you go to cell group. And if it, do- if it doesn't seem good to you, then you don't do. It means that God became Baal to you. And these kind of people will only know this, uh, only know this whenever they go before Jesus' throne. And if you fail to consider this as wickedness on this, on this earth, you will never know. So if you, if you change yourself, then everything will be changed. If you like it, then you like it everything. That's how selfish. You will never understand what God's heart is. You will never understand what God's thought is. Okay? Listen carefully. About these desires, you should consider those as tremendous wickedness. Out of these desires, all these sins are being made. Out of these desires, my kingdom is being made. My selfish life is making God as Baal. If you fail to see this, it's a dangerous thing. Amen? So this must be acknowledged as evil to you. And because you fail to do this, that's why the fullness of the Holy Spirit is difficult. So fundamentally, uh, maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit is our normal and original status. 
so if you fail to sustain the fullness of the spirit that's the uh, that's the weird thing so you need to return to this original status as soon as possible and you were deceived until now that this abnormal status is a normal status so and and also you are deceived and you say if it pleases you then you say oh it's God's will and if it doesn't please you then you don't say that it's God's will even if it doesn't please you if it's God's will then it is God's will if I don't like it even if I don't like it if God likes it then it must be God's will then then if then you will be able to live like um, you will be able to like something only that God likes that all the characteristic of God will become your characteristics now we are living in a, in a day that, that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is becoming easier and easier. We are living in a life that living by faith is becoming easier. So look, so all the things that you are listening to right now should not become condemnation. It should become a awakening of the repentance. So repent. Do not be condemned. Do not be accused. I'm saying what kind of standard God is requiring us in this season. Now God is giving us the gener- uh, season, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is being easy. Living by faith is being easy. Amen? Now you should be able to see, oh, these desires are such a great serpent's head. And now you need to see, um, you need to see how many times you made God as Baals. Oh, I used God so many times. Oh, I limited him. I uh, rejected him. I made my children kings. I made money king. I made myself the king. You need to see these. If you don't see these, then it is difficult. And there are people who need to do 40 days, 50 days of fasting because you do not see this. But why do you not do that? Because you cannot see yourself. Because you cannot see yourself, you just, you just spend hours meaninglessly. You are misunderstanding and you keep opening the gates from the world and keep accepting that. And you think that um, there are some things that are not still not satisfied yet, but I'm still attending Yolbang's church. I'm praying a little bit. It gives you some kind of weird satisfaction. So your prayer will never become, you will never become desperate. You will, your prayer will never become desperate. And even if your spirits are struggling so hard, you don't consider that as a problem. This is not simply a problem. Not being able to understand the awe of the freedom. And when a free person sees that person, he is uh, sentenced as a terminal cancer. Not being able to speak a word of prayer, not being able to feel the work of the Holy Spirit, and not even considering that as a problem? That's a terminal cancer. 
and even in this season, it's like a death. So do not consider not being able to pray a light thing. Do not consider lightly praying powerlessly. You need to listen carefully to the prophets. Money is not your issue. Do not struggle. It's about your spirit. You need to solve that issue of spirit so that you will be able to enter into his presence, go before him, being filled with him. This is the most important issue. Amen? I will believe that the reason why you clapped is because you believe that you will become like that. Let's move to chapter 5, evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. So now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanites kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried off the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So in reality, from Mount Nebo came down to Shethim. And temporarily, they, they did not have to cross the Jordan because it was the rainy season. Because they, this was the season that, that the Jordan River had the most water. So God did not have to make the Israelites to cross the river in that season. So whenever, it, whenever the dry season comes, it would have been easier for the Israelites to cross the river, right? They did not have to cross the, river, uh, cross the Jordan in that season. And in, in geographical reason, they need to cross Jordan River from Shittim. The more you go down alongside of the Jordan River, there are more places that the river is shallower and more shallow and shallow. So, so from Mount Nubu, if you go a little bit northern part, and if you go, if you find the shallow part of the river, then it'll be easier. But, but in the, in the time when Jordan River had the most water, in the place that it was most deep, God made them pass. And let's say if the Israelites, if the Israelites passed the Jordan, crossed the Jordan River in the dry season, in the shallow place, then would the would the uh, Amorites be feared? Would would them be feared? No. But our religion, our religion searches for the easiest way. Hey, Goliath! Oh man, run away from him! I mean, why are you facing up toward him? This is a characteristic of religious life. Challenge, challenge of faith. How will you enter into God's glory? How will you reveal God's glory? You don't think about that. From Mount Carmel, Elijah is fighting against the enemies, and he, he told the Israelites to pour the waters into the stones. They want the fire to come down, and they want to make the wood to be burnt easier, easier, easier. But why would you pour the water? Because you don't want your possibility to, to rise up. 
This is impossible in the religion. So you are only acting out of your possibility. The enemies will not be surprised. And rather the enemies will say, Oh, help that person to live well in their religion. This is what the Lucifer is saying. Hey, help him, help him well so that he would do, he would live religious, give him money, make his life easier, make him rich. If he becomes rich all the time, then it will be no fun. So give him suffering a little bit, make him live dramatically like that. So living by the religion is helping out the demons. There will be no surprise to the devils. You only live by your reason and rationalities. You live out of your possibilities, out of your logics, out of your common sense. There is no work of faith. Frankly speaking, you don't need God. <coughs> so you're searching for a dry river. Oh, let me see which part of the river is shallow. And if I look at the season, oh, if I wait for about 15 days, it's going to be dry. Let's stay in Shittim and stay well. In that religious uh, situation, the enemies will never be surprised. You need to cross the river. You need to go into this dramatic work of God's faith. So you need to cross the Jordan. So that enemy will be surprised and they will be feared. They will, the enemies will never acknowledge the person who, who has never passed the Jordan River. So first, you need to cross the Jordan River in order to raise this spiritual scandal. Enemies will be like, oh, look at them. They crossed the Jordans and they will be surprised, perplexed. In 2 Kings chapter 2, until you reach Gilgal, the enemies are not interested. Until you reach Bethel, they are not interested. But the point that they reach the Jericho, the next stage is Jordan Hill. So here, if you let them pass here, uh, in, in perspective of enemies, if you, if you let, if you, if they let Israelites pass that Jordan Hills, then they are done. So they are attacking that seriously. 33 years ago when I met Jesus Christ, for about five years, I think I spent those kind of times. Uh, the, the battle was strong. The enemies did not want me to pass the Jericho in, in order to get into Jordan. So do not avoid Jordan. You need to show, show the power of faith. You need to battle, fight the battle. So in a way, in a way, you need to, in a way, you need to be able to experience the battle. But if you, if you avoid that Jordan River, then you will never be able to reach the Jericho and you will never be able to reach the hill of Jordan. But if you pass that, you will, you will see the glory. And prayer of those kind of people, enemy will be feared. And those kind of people, uh, enemies will see, see carefully. They will be interested and they will see. 
so should you cross the river or not? And from verse 2 to 9, uh, God told them to do the circumcision. So, as you guys know, Israelites are facing, facing, facing the enemies. So, at that time, it is crazy thing for them to circumcise, right? <laughs> Our ancient students, you guys went through circumcision, right? It's a painful thing, right? You, you, you cannot do anything for three days. So, circumcising is... It's, in your common sense, it's impossible to do that in front of your enemies. But why did God give them this kind of commandments? And because God wanted them to experience um, crossing from death to life. So God is telling them condition of life and death is not upon their possibility. In John 49 says, uh, John 19:49 says, God's commandment is life. <coughs> so everyone who is judging everything by their eyesight, uh, I'm sorry to say this, but you are not being circumcised yet. So experience is a, such a great evidence that you are living by Babylon. If you live by intelligence, if you live by information, you live by that. <laughs> So Babylon, the dangerous Babylon comes here. You need to use your method. You need to use the tactics and strategy. That's how you need to, that's how you will make your business uh, well. And they misunderstand if you need to use those kind of methods in order to be rich in the world. But no. You, you, don't, you cannot believe uh, out of the commandment of God. King of kings, Lord of lords lies everything. And you must die, but you don't die. It seems like, it seems like you are not dying, but you are dying. This is, the danger, uh, this is the fear of God's commandments. And we experience this for many times, right? That's why God's commandment is life. And commandment is a deuteronomical uh, word. This must be um, heard to you as commandments. So when God tells you to do something, it's, it does not matter whether you die or not. So circumcision must be done. And sisters, you don't have to do that. So. But anyways, verse 4 and 5, what does it say? Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. In verse 5, all the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. So circumcision is a symbol of the new generation. So the, in Romans chapter 6, circumcision of heart appears the word circumcision of heart. So you need to do the circumcision to your heart, uh, which you live by Babylon. This is the fallen. Uh, this is the falling of Jericho. You need to do this first. Amen. The circumcision must be done. This is the evidence of the new generation. Isaiah 58 says. Isaiah 58 
15 says uh, the revival of the remnants and this generation of the revival's uh, evidence appears in Isaiah 59. He says many things and one of them is that uh, heart uh, being filled with water. People who went through the revival will heart, heart, this tender heart. Do you hear the word right now? So no more hardened heart from Babylon. So draw God's word, draw. So, so whenever these enemies shoot this fire flaming arrow because your heart is like water, it will just pass by. Do not choose the heart. Do not choose the spiritual wounds. This is not a season we mention those things. We, we never choose our hearts anymore. Amen? <laughs> so because Deacon Pyeongchul Kim, he speaks Chinese well and he was a missionary in China for a long time. He's staying with these Chinese brothers and sisters. And whenever these Chinese brothers and sisters come, he always stay with, with those kind of people. Verse 9, then the Lord says to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place had been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal means that the roll, um, the reproach of Egypt has been uh, rolled out. What's the reproach of Egypt? It's a slavery. So whatever you live by Babylon, whatever luxurious thing you do in Babylon, whatever thing that you do in Babylon, you, you are just, just slave. You are just slave. You are nothing but a slave. So if you do not live by kingdom of God, if you live by kingdom of God, then you will be a royal child. But if you live by Babylon, you are a slave. And surely, surely God said that we are no longer dead to our flesh, but you are keep having this burden on your shoulder. If you live by Babylon, your spirit will be heavier and heavier. So what is this new season about? This is a new season that we will solve our slavery instinct. You will no longer live by Babylon and you will only live by the things that are given by God. So our church members must know this, must experience this, must understand this. Oh, this is what it means to live by grace. This is something that you heard for 25 years. But even if you heard, you still don't know what that means. So that's why you uh, struggle so hard. You live so hard. You earn money so hard. That's why your prayer is so powerless. Your spirit is so frustrated. Why? Because you are carrying the burdens of flesh. Your spirit must be light, it must be flying around. But the reason why you failed to do that is because you are still enslaved by Babylon. 
But this new season is coming that you're escaping. You're getting out of the slavery. Your spirit must be active. You can fly directly before the throne of grace. Your, your body must be light as feather. Amen. Verse 10. <coughs> on the evening of 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. Finally, finally, they were able to celebrate the, the feast of Passover, which they were not able to do during the wilderness. So God led Israelites to, to celebrate this festival of Passover. What does this mean? If this is the amazing joy um, getting out of Egypt. This is um, awe of salvation. This is joy of salvation. So what is this new season about? This see, in this new season, you will know and understand what this joy of salvation is. And you will know, oh, this is what is given to my identity. This is the amazement that is given to my identity. Wherever I go to, I always say that the reason why I can preach for all these 34 years is because I still have this amazing joy that I received when I received the salvation 34 years ago. So in our terminology, it's like the joy of the people who have experienced the event of Damascus. <laughs> the ones who have experienced the event of Damascus will sustain the joy and the ones who have not experienced that will desire to experience that. So all of salvation will meet the, the expectation of second coming of Jesus Christ. The reason why you don't have the parousia glory of second coming of Jesus Christ is because you lost the, uh, you lost the awe of the first coming of Jesus Christ. Every day, every day, I always, I always listen to this, this song, praise song, when Jesus comes back. And I always sing um, God's trumpet sounds, Maranatha. And also, I always sing a lot of praise songs about God's kingdom. I sing lots of songs about these eschatological meanings. Why? Because I still have this awe of salvation. Why? Cross and the glory cannot be separated. So if you have the awe of salvation, you will have the awe of second coming of Jesus Christ. This is the evidence of the new season. Verse 11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The reason came in verse 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. So, so as they entered into Sukkot, manna stopped. Why? There's no reason for God to give them manna anymore. Now they need to be, uh, now they, they can be fed from the, the, the things from the earth. 
But and from the Jordan hill, the pillar of fire and cloud came with, with the Israelites. And among the camp in Sukkot, the pillars were with them too. And whenever, after they passed Jericho and when they reached the Gilgal, I guess pillar of fire and cloud also stopped there too. This does not appear in the Bible, so I'm not sure. But because manna stopped and the pillar of fire and cloud stopped there too. I, I'm guessing like that. If you say, what's the evidence, then I, I don't have any evidence, but that's how I'm guessing. So they begin eating from the land. The, the manna stopped. What does it mean? It means that now... It means that the days of wilderness has ended in reality. That's why manna stopped and the pillar of fire and cloud stopped. So practically, they entered into the Sabbath. So do not think. Do not think like, oh, God's presence and signs and miracles are disappeared. No. Just as your life is always in His rule and in His, His authority, you are not living by this um, uh, signs and miracles that happens from time to time, but because you're entering into the Sabbath, your life is always equals to the miracles of faith. Israelites will be victorious for, for all the battles later, right? And Israelites, only in the days of Saul, King Saul was the only person who had an iron sword. And the rest had a bronze sword. But these ten tribes of Canaanites, they all had these iron weapons. So Israelites' uh, army cannot be compared to the armies of ten tribes. Probably Israelites, the best they had was probably these wooden sticks. Maybe, maybe bronze, bronze weapons or so. So they are nothing. They are so weak, but, but they were undefeated. Look at me. Imagining me shooting an arrow, but your enemy is shooting a sniper gun or M16. <laughs> Imagine who would win. Compared to an army shooting an arrow and compared to an army having M16. Who would win? And in your logic, in your common sense, the army with M16, right? This machine gun. But the army with arrows wins. Why? What kind of army is that? <laughs> this is the army that, that will never be hit by the bullets. The bullets will pass, them, pass by. And whenever they shoot an arrow, four people will be pierced with one arrow. This is possible when God is ruling there. So it does not matter what kind of weapon you have. It's not about your specification, your method. It's all about faith. Have you not experienced this in Yelbang Church? How funny is this? This is how to live with God. Amen. How great is he? Now they enter into the land of Canaan. So normal way is way of faith. 
they are undefeated. So one of the evidence that you should have is that um, you should feel the battle easier. It's not like battle does not exist anymore, but the battle became easier for you. I will only allow you to oppress me for one second. This is not just boasting, but you should be like that. Don't be like, oh, I'm sick, I'm oppressed, I cannot pray, I'm dying. Until when will you live like that? Until when will you live like that? Now is not the season that you are living like that. Always break through. Now, now you need to trample the enemies. Amen. So, so this is a season that we are living in God's presence in this new, new rule. This occasional fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are no longer related to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. In Spanish, what, how do you say that? Adios. Uh, verse 13 Now when Joshua was near Jericho He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him And him with a drawn sword in his hand So he's a commander of the army of the Lord, right? And Joshua uh, fell face down to the ground. So this, this word fell face down, this is a word that you use only to God. It, it appears again in verse 15 too. He's not a simple commander of the Lord's army. I guess whether he is either uh, Jesus Christ himself. So look, so after receiving the circumcision and passing the Passover, is it okay for Joshua to march to the city of Jericho? Yes, he can, right? But this is a sense of spiritual person. Still, Joshua felt something needed. So he was uh, just walking, strolling uh, in front of, of Jericho. This is the importance of, of the leader. And Joshua was thinking, oh, I still miss something. And then finally, who does he meet? He meets the commander of the Lord's army. And in reality, what does he need? Because he needs to battle, fight a battle against uh, Jericho. Who do, does he need? He needs a commander of the army, right? Who do we need then? <laughs> we need, we need uh, uh, the bank. We need the bank of Korean bank. God works according to their need. So the commander of Lord's army came. Uh, what does it mean? It means that God wanted to give Joshua the confirmation of the victory. In verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. And until now, uh, Moses confirmed uh, many things to Joshua. But one thing that uh, Joshua didn't uh, list, didn't hear directly from Moses was this word. 
And now this commander of the Lord finally says this to Joshua, take off your sandals. And when I, when I myself fasted for 40 days, I heard this too. And this was about 30 years ago. And Joshua heard this. This is the confirmation of the victory. Did you hear that too? say take off your sandals this has many meanings first uh, taking off the sandals uh, from the feet is you be my servant and also God is telling him to uh, take off the shoes of the world these are all the things that God is saying to you guys and when I heard this, I realized, oh, God chose me as his servant. So if you want to live by, as a servant of the Lord, you need to get rid of your sandals and get rid of them, throw them away. We are children of God, right? Children of the king. We are the ones to step not on the ground, but on these, these uh, clothes. Are you guys taking off those sandals? You need to. For the place where you are standing is holy. So you can translate this in two ways. One is the place that you are standing is holy itself. And other things make the place that you are standing as holy. So, so wherever you stand, it must be holy through you. It must be made holy through you. This is the power of the people who are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, wherever you go, the life of the darkness will be turned into the true life. The dirty things will be turned into the pure things. Darkness will be turned into glory. This is your power. If you believe in all the power that God in, uh, made, made to indwell in you, then this will be possible. The sadness will be turned into joy. But conversely, there are some of you who, who always make joyful place into a gloomy place. <laughs> Many of you say, oh, whenever that person comes, it, it becomes boring. Bringing despair into the hope. <laughs> and there are some people who are truly like that. Once I said that, and there was a person who went, uh, who were, who was hospitalized because of the, because of the stomach. And, and a doctor came and said, oh, I saw some, some of, some people like you uh, turning into a cancer and turning the hope into the despair, right? But we are not people like that. Whenever we go, the darkness must be turned into light. And whenever I was working, and the co-workers, they were talking this dirty stuff. Whenever I, I go there, 
and these co-workers said to one another, oh, this pastor is coming, let's stop talking about that. And they stopped. Just like this, your influence of the holiness must be shown like this. These are all the evidence of the new season. And now, take off all your shoes. Amen? The place where you are standing is holy. So wherever you go, you must build the history of the holiness. Let's finish in chapter 6. So now, first you need to destroy your selfishness. You need to finish all your self-kingdom. God's kingdom only must be, be established. In verse 1 of chapter 6, now the gates of Jericho were secured, barred, securely barred because of the Israelites, because of fear. This is a natural thing that enemies is feared. But there are still some of you who are still feared, still feared about the world, still feared of the people, feared of the enemies. Oh, such a big misunderstanding. No. The reason why these beasts are attacking the people is because they are feared. So we are not the ones who should be feared. It must be the enemies who should be feared to us. The ones whose destruction is uh, determined, they must be feared, not us. The money, money is meaningless. Why are you being afraid of that? There's nothing on this earth that you should be afraid of. Only God himself is fearful one. Because you don't be afraid of him, that's why you are being afraid of other things. Serious. We are not the beings that can be afraid of any other things but God. And you solve all the issues of sin, all the issues of eternity, all the issues of death. Why are you being afraid of any other things? Have faith. And from the beginning, let's return to the beginning. That's because you don't believe that you have died. That's why you are struggling so hard not to die. You are already dead. Why are you afraid? Nothing is afraid. Hallelujah. Why are these enemies afraid? Because of God's presence in Isaiah. In the days of Hezekiah, uh, 180,000 people surrounded the, the Jerusalem, but not even a single arrow was shot. So, so Jerusalem was a small city back then. And imagining 180,000 people surrounding the castle. And if probably a single person, um, every single person of that army shot a single arrow, probably every, every Israelites were, were probably destroyed, but they were not able to shoot a single arrow. Why? Because God embraced Jerusalem with his wings. Because of God's presence, the enemies were afraid. And the very next day, the very next day, <laughs> all these enemies died out of a heart attack. And because they were so afraid of God's presence. When these unholy people see God's presence, they will die. Die out of a heart attack. In this new season, in this new season, we will, we will carry around this kind of presence alongside with us wherever we go. 
and, and in last Panama conference, because the, the conference uh, was filled with God's presence, even though we are having conferences ninth floor, in the first floor, um, the amazing things were happening there. Why? Because God's presence was prominent. So you need to uh, draw that presence wherever you go in this new season. So who would dare to touch you? Amen? Expect this. Before Jesus' second coming, this is what will happen to Jesus' remnant. So this is why the small numbers of remnants can proclaim the victory against the Antichrist. Because God's amazing work will happen through them. So would you, would you still want to live by Babylon? Are you still going to chase after the specification and method of Babylon? How to live well in Babylon? No, nonsense. It's in a different dimension. This is only the things that, this is the image of a day fly living. If you solve the eternity, if you have seen the glory of the eternal kingdom, if you are living by God's kingdom, then you will never live like that. We are not the ones who are living out of our head, our brain. Our head is Jesus Christ. We, we, we only live by the wisdom of Jesus Christ who is our head. Hallelujah. Verse 2. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Was, was, was Jericho conquered? Not yet. But what's his promise? The promise is in the past tense. This is the image of the people who are living with Jesus Christ. The victory is determined already. Victory is determined. Victory is determined. Wherever we go to the conference, we determine the victory before we go, right? We never determine the victory after the conference, right? In every conferences, whenever we, we determines, the, determines the conference, the money will come, right? God's work is always in the past tense. God says that I made you glorious. Your glorification has been decided already. All we have to do is go and claim the evidence of that victory. This is where uh, the defeat of the first spies in the wilderness lays. God says that I gave you this uh, land filled with uh, the, the milk and honey. So go and claim the evidence. And they saw this land. How prosperous was the land. And all they had to do is, oh, God's promise was true. Instead of looking at God's promise, they saw all the other things. And they said, oh, they are Anakites. We are like grasshoppers. Why? Why saying these nonsense? That's why they died. God only said, hey, go and look. I gave you these kind of things. Go and see. Then all you have to do is looking at those things. God says, look at the victory. Then all you have to do is to look at the victory. But instead you say, oh, I might lose if I do this. No. But men of faith... Oh God, your word is true. We will be victorious. That will be done. God's, uh, Yolong Church is God's kingdom. 
And when God's kingdom come, whether it's pastor or whoever that says that um, you need to say amen to whatever word that comes out. God's kingdom is about confirming the victory. This is all written in the past tense. Ephesians 3 says, All the blessing has been already given. All the blessings are already given. They are already in us. They are already given. So what do we have to do? We don't have to go seek. Go and seek. It's already in us. So it all... It only needs to be revealed. But what's the issue? It's the selfishness. So when you destroy all the selfishness, all the glory, power, and the richness will be revealed. <coughs> this is the evidence why this new revelation is keeping revealing in the church. This is evidence of the church keeping renewed. We are not searching around. Why? Because it is being revealed through us. It is keeping revealed from inside of us. This is the reason why we need to kill all the selfishness. Keep killing the selfishness. Amen. Verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, seventh day, march around the city seven times. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So first, having the priest to go forward, what does it mean? It means that um, you are proclaiming the war. Everything of the everything that the Israelites do is about the war, and they made the ark to go forward, and they will circle for once a day, and then on the seventh day they will um, march around the city for seven times, and then when they shout, the the city will collapse. So those who believe in this are the crazy people, right? Are the lunatics. But what was the reason why they were able to believe in that? Especially, especially because they were able to obey to God's commandments, circumcision. The life and death is always upon God's hand. The reason why you cannot accept this by faith is because you are not circumcised in spirit. Because you didn't receive the circumcision that you keep doubting and you keep thinking. Keep living in your ways, methods, and experiences. Even if you are living with God, you don't have any experience from being saved from death to life. You must have the experience of death. So... So you cannot accept these commandments. So whenever I do the healing ministry, God always uses weird methods. There is a person who rolls on the floor because of the stomach ache. I tell that person, hey, eat this snack. There's this kid who cannot, who cannot eat, who could not eat for months. I tell that person to eat bread. And I told the person whose bones are shattered, 
I told them, told him to um, get rid of the cask and to jump. How nonsense! But these people all obeyed, and I, I proclaim all this nonsense too. Why? Why is this possible? Because we all have the experience of being delivered from death to life. <coughs> and our sister Yeonju, because she had a stone in her ears, she were dizzy, she was dizzy, but I grabbed hold onto her head and I, I just shook her head and say, hey, these stones disappear. Like that. And she said, oh, pastor, it got better. I got better. Where's, where's Dick and Yum? And when, when a physician or a doctor, a doctor sees this, he, will, he might sue me for doing a, a false medical action. <laughs> but what is it all about? It's all about faith. It's all done by the people who knows that God is the only one who decides life and death. But why does it have to be 13 times? Why does it have to be 13 times around the city? What's the connection between the collapse of the Jericho and the marching around the city for 13 times? What's the physical law between those two things? And also, and in verse 10, do not give a word cry, do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. <coughs> so, for 13 times, uh, marching around the city, they were under the strong presence of God. And because there is a strong presence of God, you, don't, you should not make any noise. And, and actually, if, because there is a strong presence, you cannot make any noise. Let's say after, one, after circling the city for once, the eastern side of the city collapsed. After one circle, the western side collapsed. Is that how it happened? No. Until the 13th time, Jericho was standing still. So let's say after about fifth, fifth marching, um, looking at Jericho, Jericho was standing still and probably many people ran away because they don't see any evidence. This is the status of unbelief of you. Praying and then it doesn't seem like nothing has changed so you use all your method to do that. And those who have good faith will reach to the sixth circle. And then they run away too. After the eighth time, and then those people have good faith. Because they reached the last day. Or the seventh day. Because it's the seventh day. Then that's a good faith, right? 
And after the seventh um, marching, most of them probably ran away. Who? Those of them who have not been circumcised. Because they do not have any experience of deliverance of, from death to life. So you need to always experience God's commandment. So prayer in that aspect, in that perspective, you're lifting up God's promise. Then you're receiving God's um, answer from that reaction. So even still, there are some of you who still do not receive any response from God even after you're praying. It means that you are, you have not received the circumcision in your spirit. After thirteenth time of the marching, and the final hour when you shouted this war cry, the Jericho collapsed. So faith, faith comes. By, comes after the obedience. How is it possible? It is only possible to the people who understand that faith is a gift. Those of the ones, those people who knows and who who have received the faith as a gift, can can do that. Even after 420 years, uh, Noah probably could have waited for 1,200 years because he knew that it is God's promise. So if you do not have faith, you don't have this all to receive God's promise. So the failure, failure is, failure is not because of your method, it's your experience, it's, not, it's only because you have not received Receive the faith as a gift and receive the promise. And for 34 years, I've been praying for one prayer subject, and still I have not been answered. But God still wants me to pray for that. Why? Because I received the promise by faith. So it's not you are experiencing failure because of your characteristic. It's because you have not received the faith by, by, by gift and you did not receive his promise by faith. That's why you keep falling down. That, because you keep living by your thoughts. So first, if you receive the promise, you will be able to obey until the end. In Kenneth's um, wedding, in book of John, uh, the servants obeyed until the end. They carried this water bottle. If they tasted the water in the midst of the carrying um, process, they probably have ran away because it's still water. But whenever uh, people began drinking, it became the wine. So when you receive the promise as faith, then you will be able to obey until the end. General Naaman, until the sixth time they enter into the Nile River, he still had a leprosy. But in the moment that he entered the seventh time, he still had a leprosy. But the moment he came out of the Nile River, uh, not the Nile River, but the Jordan River, he, he was healed. So in Galatians, I didn't say this uh, much. God's promise is not the same as human's promise. 
So when you receive God's promise, this is an unchangeable promise. So you cannot, you cannot get rid of that promise. You cannot change that promise. No, it's impossible. So it means that you, you just agree to that promise with your thoughts. You just accepted that because you wanted that. But first, you must accept the faith as a gift. That's why you need to empty yourself first. So when you are emptied, God will surely give you the faith and, and, and it is God's vow to give us the promise. And he says, I will guarantee you through the cross. He's a guarantee of the new covenant. It appears in Hebrews chapter 6 or Hebrews chapter 7. He's a guarantee of the new covenant. He's our guarantee of new covenant. <coughs> and when a creator vows, when he swears, he says, oh, hey, trust me, that's why I killed my own son. As an evidence, I sprinkled his blood. I will surely do this. Then how can you, how can you despair that promise? How can you let go of that promise? You cannot. You cannot. Will Jericho fall down? Will selfishness fall down? Ultimately, when God's faith comes as a gift, and when you receive His promise, that kind of person will never be able to live out of the selfishness. If you live by the selfishness, you cannot enter into this promised relationship with God. And now, when this Jericho is beginning to fall down, after receiving the faith as gift, then you will know what it means to receive his faith as gift and his promise. And that promise will never despair. That promise will never go fall down. It's a complete trust. And you can not only march for 13 times, you, you will be able to march for 130 times because his promise will never change. It will be done. Destroying your selfishness out of all this process. The Jericho will surely collapse. The people who have collapsed the Jericho will live like this. Look at verse 25. Look at verse uh, 26 of chapter 6. And Jericho has fallen down, and Joshua said, At that time Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild the city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. And after 115 years, uh, in First King it appears, uh, they rebuilt Jericho. There was a person who lost his firstborn and the last son. Uh, this happens 500 years later. And what I'm saying is that God's promise will be done. It will be fulfilled even after 500 years. So if we receive his oath, oath by faith, it will have etern eternal characteristic. 
It's not simply we have received his promise, we received his oath, his, his, his vow. God is saying, hey, I swear, I swear, I swear. So, so God's promise and God's oath crosses the eternity. So, so even um, if you die, the prayer that you prayed, believing in His oath, will be fulfilled in your in your son's generation or your grandson's generation. And George Mueller's prayer is still being fulfilled in these days. Why? Because because whose promise is that? It's promise of the Creator. If you fail to believe that, it means that you are living, still living in your selfishness. Because you're so selfish, if it's benefit for you, then you believe it. If it's not beneficial for you, you don't believe that. And that's because you don't believe who God is. God's promise will always be fulfilled. The importance is to have the faith and to receive that promise. This is the image of the people who destroy the selfishness. Today, this is the season of the people who destroy the Jericho completely. And now, the people who are living by God's promise, who are, who are sustained the fullness of the Holy Spirit, who will never be defeated. We are entering into the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Let's pray.